Heveridge Emian. I'm Tanza Latnai. And you're listening to the No Bad Food Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. This is a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. Every week, we dig into a different dish, meal, ingredient, cuisine, or piece of food media, exploring the history and culture around it, sharing favorite recipes, and learning from our wonderful guests. The only rule? You gotta love it. After all, there's there's no no such such thing thing as as bad food. food. Before we dig in, we'd like to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where we're recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We encourage you to take some time today, and every day, to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on, and with the indigenous communities of that area. So, Taffer, how you doing this week? I'm good. I'm pretty tired. We just, like, we had a Super Bowl party last night. And it was like a Super Bowl party for people who don't follow football. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was really just a lot of snacks and then like yelling at Usher yeah. in an enthusiastic way. And it was very fun. But I'm like that plus all of the um, preparing for it. Like we did a lot of house cleaning yes. this weekend. And a lot of like I did a lot of like little organizations and repairs that were really satisfying. But also like I'm I'm pretty beat. The one that I'm really proud of is that we have a cupboard that I call the cupboard where things go to die. Oh, yeah. And it's been the cupboard where things go to die as long as it has been in existence. Pretty much, yeah. And I actually, like, fixed the shelf in it. So there's now a shelf in it. And I took out a bunch of stuff. I got rid of all of the, like broken appliances Mm. and like half a thing that we don't have the whole thing (laughs) but that is the half of it is just like haunting the cupboard and then I organized everything and now you can actually look in the cupboard and get what you need which is like extremely satisfying for like when we need to use the rice cooker or the waffle iron or I need to bake anything instead of digging through the cupboard desperately trying to find two pieces of a cake pan they're just like in a place (laughs) Um, so it was really satisfying and then also culinarily related i have a very old japanese cleaver yeah that was my dad's and i think it is probably close to 50 years old it's been around as long as i was alive Mm -hmm. but like i i think it's 50 years thank you but i think it's like i think it's much older than me sure yeah is where i was going with that and i inherited it and it's like it was in really bad shape it was like clearly had not been sharpened or honed or used since my dad died 12 years ago and more realistically probably since he got sick like 15 years ago so i cleaned it off yeah. i and i pulled out my old i have like really nice whetstones because i have carving chisels that i need to do with that and i cleaned up the blade and i sharpened it and then i like made a little honing notch because we have a wood counter that's like it's a freestanding piece of furniture it's not like part of the apartment yeah. and i was like i can just put a honing notch in this counter because it's my counter yeah. and i can do that so i made a little notch with the blade and like put honing compound in it and now i can like so that was really satisfying too so i guess the answer wow that was a long way to answer that question but i guess the answer is i am tired but satisfied yeah i mean i think there's nothing wrong with that yeah 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 i, I was gonna say it's been like a a satisfying few days especially in terms of like food and our kitchen yeah yeah the aforementioned super bowl party was a blast super uh, fun we uh put together a little charcuterie spread uh, i made my biscuits that oh, everybody those were the best over. they've ever been they were so good they have never been that good before like well, you make good biscuits but they were yeah as i was mixing the dough together for them i was feeling like something was better than usual mm-hmm. and i don't know at all what i did 
to make that How happen. did you do the butter this time? Uh, I refrigerated it and grated it. Okay, yeah, that, yeah. But you usually do that. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's the thing. I think it just mixed well. I think you also maybe handled it less, judging by the texture. Like, it was maybe. very light. It yeah. was very fluffy. That's it. Like, um, I, I think I just, I nailed it this time. You did. And then it was so good. Credit where credit's due, you suggested making them smaller. Yeah, which I think I also did. helped a little bit. I, in my opinion, biscuits should be small. Yeah, like I'm, I'm a small biscuit person. I'm sure. a, but it was also just that there were like six of them, and there were more than that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Of us well, what's crazy house. is like the the recipe that I go off of that I've like adapted. It originally listed as twenty four portions, so like half the size even of what we made. Oh yeah, why have you been making them huge? I always make them huge because I like a big biscuit, and because they they remind me a lot of like scones the way that yeah, my mom used yeah, to make yeah. them which were big biscuits and scones are very similar yeah that's the thing and i'm gonna pronounce it scone speaking. no matter how the british think that word is pronounced and like you know our buddy felix like made pizza in our house that oh, was delicious yeah. and like noah brought some like classic midwestern dip yeah it was like, great it was, it was a lot of fun uh gab brought donuts which is just oh, like yeah. always a hit the oh, plum donuts from from a polish bakery get, mm-hmm. get a friend who lives across mm-hmm. the street from a polish bakery that makes good donuts yeah i made carrot cake which is nice because i had carrot cake for yes. breakfast today so good yeah yeah um, and oh, then we have so much bread in our house right now because felix you forgot to mention that felix also brought over a loaf of bread approximately the size of a coffee table it's a huge huge um, loaf of bread so yeah. we were like it was like party favors we were like as people were going we'd be like you want a wedge of bread bread wedge uh, send people home with bread wedges that's it um <laughs> what i love is like we went into this thing saying it's a super bowl party no one cares about the game we're mostly here for the food we enjoyed it you know it's fun watching a sport game with people who don't totally know what's going on and trying to figure mm-hmm. it out together. But we knew what was going on with Usher. Yeah. Well, that's it. And when yeah. Usher finally showed up like two hours later, everyone lost their minds. It was such a good <laughs> halftime show. And then about 10 minutes after the halftime show, uh, the, the the broadcast just stopped working. <laughs> yeah, I think our I think our TV was kind of struggling with some overload. I don't know what happened. But we were just like, okay, the game's over. So we missed the whole second half yeah. where all of the game happened. I like I by by the time the TV stopped working, I was very convinced that that Taylor Swift was going to be sad. Yeah. And then when the game finally ended, I looked at the score on my phone and Taylor Swift was happy. Taylor Swift might have been a little embarrassed. Maybe. After the Travis Kelsey thing. I don't totally know what happened except that he got mad. He kind of blew up at the coach and was like yelling in his face and like put his hands on him and stuff. That's not great. Yeah. 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 Anyway, here's a transition for you. Much like football has Travis Kelsey, basketball has Steph Curry. And today we are talking about Steph Curry minus the Steph Go sit in the corner. I'm already sitting in a think corner. Think about what you did. <laughs> if we want to give like a good like blanket definition of what a curry is, because I, I'm going to say right out of the gate, curry is multifaceted. Curry is a lot of things. But if we want kind of a good place to start, curry tends to be a dish made with a like sauce that is richly seasoned with herbs and spices. It's typically, but not exclusively, associated with Indian cuisine, uh, but it's also present in a lot of other like South Asian traditions, uh, Malaysian, Indonesian, Filipino, Japanese. Uh, lots of people who are close enough to India to smell the curry wafting across the water oh boy. <laughs> are making curry as well as significant parts of their cultural cuisines. The word curry, I found out, is associated with the curry tree, but uh, not all curries 
include elements of the curry tree, but it is uh, it is a pretty common one for sure. The curry tree's leaves feature heavily in spice blends used in some, but again, not all Indian curry dishes. I saw a few options of etymology, which often happens when sure, we have yeah. very old recipes like this, right? Yeah. We've, we've seen this with etymology with food before. When it's something that's just so old and so ubiquitous. There's also a word, I believe it was in Tamil. I'm I'm not going to, don't quote me on that. It's also a word that just means like sauce. Sure. Yeah. Um, or like vegetable meat. Like it's one of those food words, kind yeah. of like corn, right? Where like it's it's the food. And then what it's become in global cuisine is usually spiced with a mix of ginger, garlic, and turmeric. And uh, as you said before, like mostly in in Southeast Asia. Yeah, I checked. It is Tamil. It is Tamil. Oh, my God. Look at me. Look (laughs) at me go. Um, So, yeah, so it's fun. I always find it really fun when there are those foods that are just like it just it almost just means food. (laughs) It's just like the thing you eat with your with your rice or your bread. Yeah, well, that's it. And like, that's one of those things that's really interesting, but also leads to a lot of moments of frustration when you're looking at a menu, right? Because right. I think especially in like the Western world where curry as a concept didn't really come to the West until the 18th century when mm-hmm. Indian merchants sold the spice blend to the British and it just took off. And that spice blend was like similar to what would be sold as like a garam masala these mm-hmm. days, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm pretty sure just translates to hot spice blend. Hot spice blend, but not like spicy hot, like warming hot, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's one of those things where because of that, like because it initially got introduced to English speaking people as like a flavor profile and typically in the context of like a saucy dish, curry on menus doesn't really mean anything, right? A lot of the time, if you just see a menu that says like chicken curry, it's like, well, what does that mean? Well, you can, I think, I mean, if I may, when I see chicken curry, what I usually assume is a wet curry, right? There's a, there's wet or dry curry and wet curry means it has sauce or gravy. Right. Um, that you put over something. Sure. I would assume that with a like yellow curry blend. So like turmeric, cumin, coriander, ginger, garlic. Sure, yeah, yeah. Like that's basically what I would assume. Yeah, which is fair. But like at the same time, like if you go to a restaurant and they've just listed like curry dish, like it it could mean so many things, right? Like if you go to an actual Indian restaurant, like most of the time, nothing's going to be labeled as curry exactly. because it's going to be labeled yeah. more specifically. The actual than that, name right? of the food. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And like, it's like when you go to a bakery, it's not just bread, 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 bread. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. That's it. That's it. And like because the Indian subcontinent and surrounding areas have so many different regional cuisines with their own flavor preferences, their own local ingredients, their yeah. own like local cultural touchstones, it's like hard to say exactly what goes into like a curry seasoning what goes into a curry powder but i think you're right that like i would say probably nine times out of ten ginger turmeric garlic like those are all pretty prominent flavor notes but like yeah as you said like a thai green curry is a very different profile from say a punjabi curry right Right. i don't know if it was you who posted this on instagram the other day but there was like a post that was a photo of a soup of the day on the menu and the name of the soup was just du jour which is french for soup of the day and to me that's what it feels like sometimes (laughs) it's just like the soup of the day is soup yeah it's like oh uh, we we have a curry on the menu what kind of curry is it it's curry so we wanted to talk today a little bit about like curry writ large and like some of our favorite kinds of curries some of the experience we have of curry as to people in the western world who don't come from you know curry centric culinary backgrounds but who you know love to eat 
food. <laughs> it was a very bizarre sentence. Yes. But uh, you know what? I think we're all pretty used to that from you. I think so. Yeah. Today, today I said the phrase, I'm too tired to I'm, be manhandled. I'm in too much pain to be manhandled. <laughs> and you sounded exactly like that guy from What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, see, I felt like it was a Schmidtism. ism Oh, sure, bit. sure. It, it there felt, was a definite inflection to it. Yeah, yeah, I definitely chose a weird inflection on that yeah, one. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're recording in the daytime. I'm recently caffeinated, so my energy is a little bonky bonk today. That's okay. So let's now that we have established mm. that there are many different kinds of curry and that when you see curry on a menu you get irritated. <laughs> let's continue. Let's so as I alluded to before, there's both wet and dry curries. So yeah. a wet curry would be I I don't like the phrase wet curry. No. I'm just going to say that. I don't like that phrase, but it is the phrase that is used. Yeah. So that would be something like butter chicken sure. or like lamb korma, like something you're used to that that you get and you ladle it over your rice or you scoop it with your naan. Dry curry is more something like a uh, uh, tandoori chicken mm. that you'll see, like something where, um, I mean, it's like a wet or a dry brine too, right? Sure. Um, but then there's something like alu gobi that's like vegetables with curry spices, but yeah. it's not in a sauce. It's just like yeah. spiced vegetables. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I, I don't know much about and I would love to know more about, but that I think is uh, really interesting with the concept of curry and with sort of the spice flavor profile is the prevalence of Ayurveda in mm. Indian cuisine going way, way back. Sure, yeah. Because you said before about a warming spice mix and yeah. that's it. Like there are warming and cooling and different kinds of spices and flavors. And I would love to know more about kind of like how that has developed and how those flavor profiles developed and what Ayurveda has to do with like the curry blends that we know. Yeah. Um, I don't know about it. I'm just saying I think it would be very cool to learn about because that's one thing like when you're not really from a spice culture, uh, there's so much more to spices than just these taste good together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's really like people talk a lot about how I've seen like on Food Network a lot people saying like if you can cook really good Indian food you can cook anything because when you're cooking really good Indian food you understand such a lexicon of spices sure. and flavors yeah, yeah. that like other cuisines do not have to the same depth and complexity yeah um, I, think that, I think that's true that yeah. feels true to me yeah yeah I think that's something that Manit Chohan has said that like she's never afraid of making food because she's like yeah I know how to cook with you know a hundred different elements so like <laughs> Yeah. I'm not intimidated. <laughs> no, that's it. Yeah. It it's almost like other cuisines are like being really skilled at an instrument. Yeah. And Indian cuisine is like being a really skilled composer. Yes. For I like, like that. orchestras I like specifically. That. Yeah. So it really is. I mean, there's all these flavors that you play with, and I think that's why it has become so globally popular. Sure. Yeah. Um and why, you know, it's it's Britain's unofficial national dish, right? <laughs> and uh, and just on the like warming and cooling spices thing, um, I'm remembering we actually we recorded an episode a while back. You recorded an episode yeah. a while back with your best friend Shivani about masala chai yeah. specifically. Yeah. But you guys got into like warming and cooling spices and like the way that that kind of all relates in terms of like ways that those things affect yeah. your body. I think between that and your recent episode about the tea blends that you're making, yeah. there's a lot of really interesting stuff in there for people who want to go back and get a little bit more in yeah. depth about like the uses of spices and stuff Absolutely. in their cooking. And full disclosure, I'm thinking about this a lot because I'm working on some black tea blends with spices. And so I'm thinking a lot about how the different spices work together in different blends. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's it. And, and I think that like when you, I mean, it's like you said, when you get a really firm grasp of how different spices interplay with each other mm -hmm. 
you unlock new levels of like food options for yourself. Absolutely. And new levels of flavor that can yeah. be really exciting and sometimes overwhelming. Certainly, mm-hmm. if you if you don't have a palate that's like been developed to those kinds of flavor profiles yet, sometimes it can be a really like crazy experience, right? Well, and also if you don't know how to use them, because there's mm-hmm. like when do you add it in the cooking process? Sure, toasting your spices beforehand is extremely important. Right. When you add salt is extremely important. When you add your liquid is extremely important. You know, when you get into more like South Indian curries, you have a lot of coconut milk. Mm-hmm. Learning how to use that's another flavor. element right that isn't necessarily as much when you're in the north and you're using more like dairy and ground cashews and stuff to give the sauce body sure fun fact did you know korma the word comes from cashews actually oh i didn't know that because it's a sauce that's nut based i like that i love cashews i know you do so something I didn't know about until maybe the past couple of years when you started kind of messing around with it a little bit in our kitchen and making delicious things out of it is that Japanese curry is a thing yes. with its own really strong culture around it and its own very strong flavor profiles and everything. So all I know about it is that you've made it and it's delicious. And I did, before we started recording, go take a look at our Japanese curry blend in the yeah. kitchen to see what's <laughs> in it because I was curious. Um but can you talk a little bit about that? Can you, like, enlighten me and possibly sure. our listeners? So, I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm not a wealth of knowledge about Japanese curry. I just like it. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, it's called, uh, I'm going to, I might not get the pronunciation, but kare raisu, which is just like curry with rice. Sure, yeah. In Japanese. Um, it's actually so popular that the Japanese military serves it every Friday as, like, curry day. Okay. <laughs> um, so it's generally a vegetable curry. Potatoes are in it. A uh, couple other veggies traditionally that I don't recall offhand. I'm seeing onions, potatoes, and apple. Sometimes apple for sweetness, yeah. Neat. Um, so onions, potatoes, sometimes peas, like it'll just be like, you know, veggies on hand kind sure, of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the curry is mild. It's not spicy, mm. but very flavorful. It's, you know, kind of a yellow, basic yellow curry. It has a bunch of different spices in it. It has a lot of turmeric. It has ginger, a uh, little cumin, coriander, like, and again, like it can be different from place to place, but generally it's a mild yellow curry. It's often sold just as like um, something like ramen, like you pick it up as a kit and it's like a... Okay, cool. An add water and like microwave kind of comfort dish um, a lot of the time. Yeah. And it's really tasty and it's really cozy and comforting. And maybe I will make that for dinner. Oof. I would not complain. So that's, yeah, that's Japanese curry. And I love that because it's such an example of a a country taking a cuisine and making it their own while keeping the soul of the original dish. Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing. That's what I really appreciate about it is that I think you're spot on in saying that they made it their own while also keeping it authentic, yeah. which like I think there are two kind of cuisines in the world that do that really, really well. And it's Japanese and Italian mm. where Japanese but Japanese does it in a way where they, I think, hold on to the spirit of the original thing a little bit better where italian goes like okay what is this thing and how, how can do we I, make it italian how do we make it italian yeah exactly yeah i mean also shout out to uh korean fried chicken sure though, for taking an american dish and making it uniquely korean yeah oh my god <laughs> yeah also delicious we've talked about that though on the show i think i think we've never actually had an episode about korean fried chicken but we've had a fried chicken episode haven't i don't we? know if we even have oh my god i know All right. it's gotta happen someday it's gotta happen someday, someday. yeah i i really like I love the distinction there where the Japanese curry is a little sweeter, a little a little less yeah. like spicy and just kind of 
warm and cozy almost. Really cozy. And using fruit to sweeten the sauce is also Mm -hmm. a very East Asian thing. Like Korean and Japanese food cultures do that a lot. Yeah. Uh, So like, for example, bulgogi almost always has apple or pear in it to sweeten the marinade. Yeah. Well, and I was looking at the spice blend for Japanese curry we have in the kitchen and it has dried mandarin orange in it. Oh, I didn't notice that. That's cool. Yeah, which is neat. And I was, yeah. I was like, actually, like, you know, it's it's not a fully ground blend, so it yeah. has everything it's in it. Gr- like it's a forms. grind your own blend. Yeah, and like the mandarin segments in it are like extremely tiny. Yeah, because they're, like, they're dried out. Yeah, they're, they're but they're like hyper dried out in a yeah. way that I like wasn't expecting. And I looked at one and I was like, what is that thing? And then I realized what it was, and I freaked. It's like this is so cool. Yeah, and I think there's something really neat about like finding ways to incorporate dried fruit into a blend that yeah. you're using for like a savory dish yeah you know? well I think we talked before when we talked about persimmons last year mm-hmm. about how persimmons were used as sweetener right um in Asia before sugar cane sugar became a big thing sure yeah um so using fruit as a way to sweeten things is very is a very ancient cooking technique right. and a very East Asian cooking technique and that's just that's just fun yeah, yeah absolutely well and I love like I love that as a use of fruit as well where like sometimes we buy fruit and there's too much of it yeah. you know like because because fruit is one of those things that it's hard to buy an individual fruit a lot of the time you have to buy like a little bulk Sure. thing of it you know unless you're getting like apples and and pears and stuff yeah. but like if you're getting like oranges they usually like you're getting a crate or a bag yeah yeah and, and it's like okay if we have an abundance of a fruit why not figure out ways to like store it for longer right uh extended shelf life by transforming it a little bit mm-hmm. into a different kind of ingredient i just i think that's really yeah. cool and i, I think, like when i see that you know i think we should get a dehydrator me too yeah yeah can we get one that like also does meat so i can mess around with jerky yeah. i think dehydrate always i think dehydrators can dehydrate anything hell yeah just like maybe just like use some parchment paper with holes in it or something yeah clean it clean it between uses yeah Yeah, we don't want beef flavored orange or maybe we do i mean buff à l'orange yeah yeah no that's orange beef is more chinese anyway uh shall we shall we roll on over shall we mid our roll All right, let's let's roll our orange over to the mid roll and tell them how they can dry out our beef. Ooh, baby, welcome to the mid roll, the part of the show where we shamelessly ask you to support us, be it financially or emotionally. If you're enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so that you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend. Um, I recently found out you can also leave reviews on Spotify. So Ooh, sick. do that. Ooh, that's really good for us. Please yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Uh, for every new rating review we get during the month of February, we'll be donating $2 to The Depot, our local food bank here in NDG. They can turn every $1 into $3 worth of food for a family in need. So by doing the simple free act of leaving a rating review of this show, you're functionally donating $6 worth of food to people who need it. There's no other way to turn zero into six, so if that math is exciting for you, get your butt over there and leave a rating review on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify. Hey, if you do both... That's cool, too. Yeah. Yeah. I know Spotify requires you to have at least listened to one episode. So if you're an Apple podcast listener, but you have Spotify for music, download one episode of our show on Spotify and then leave us a review and then go back to listening on Apple podcasts. If you're a Spotify listener, but you have Apple podcasts on your phone, you don't need to actually listen to our show to leave your rating and review. So it's true. You could do both. And listen, you can do the same review on both platforms. We don't care. No, no one cares. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's going to be, like, cross-referencing. Oh, man. Imagine if Apple and Spotify ever communicated with each other about things. 
That'd be crazy. But someday one of them's going to buy the other out. Did you see the thing where after, like two years after spending like $100 million to have exclusive rights to Joe Rogan, uh, Spotify is now spending like $400 million to put Joe Rogan on other platforms. Oh my God. <laughs> Imagine wasting that much money on Joe Rogan. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. We get $30 a month on Patreon. You can read all about what the Depot is doing <laughs> at the link in the description of this episode. Hey, speaking of Patreon, do you want to tell them about it? If you join our Patreon, you'll get access to our exclusive newsletter, the mm. No Bad Food Recipe Club, and our Discord server, where we post new recipes for you to try out and share with your friends and family. You can also chat with us on Discord. We have a real good time with that. You yeah. can throw us ideas for episodes. You can tell us what you're cooking. You can ask questions. You can really do whatever you want. You can say you're a big sausage fan, as some people do. Um, you can just show us what you're eating um you can write us a little song whatever you want on patreon so if you aren't already a member of our patreon you should join up it's for as little as one u.s dollar a month uh you can join our little family and we're having a good time mm -hmm. and i am about to share my special exclusive soup recipe yes so learn about the soup uh one last thing here in the mid-roll before we keep going is that our lovely friends at left trigger right trigger are doing their annual charity stream this coming weekend the 17th and 18th of february uh and if you want you can pop over to twitch.tv slash left trigger right trigger uh as of 10 a.m eastern time on saturday to watch the gang uh play lots of video games for 24 straight hours and slowly lose their minds as they get sleepy and can't do anything about it uh, as they raise money for NAMI Seattle. NAMI Seattle is not a member of the Straw Hat Pirates, but rather a family support group uh, that helps people whose loved ones are experiencing symptoms of mental health struggle. Uh, so if you care about mental health, which I'm assuming you do because you probably struggle from it statistically or know someone who does, uh, certainly if you listen to this podcast, you enjoy the content of at least two creators who have regular <laughs> struggles with mental health issues. Um, so uh, yeah, NAMI Seattle, they're doing great work and you can support them while also watching our friends lose their minds playing video games for 24 straight hours. You're not obligated to watch the whole 24, although if you do, I hear a rumor that you will get a special prize out of it. Ooh. I'm not promising anything. They, there's no rumor. I'm making this rumor right now. Spread the rumor around that if you watch the full 24 hours, maybe Greg will do something unhinged for you. I'll put a link to their Twitch stream in the description of this episode, and uh, you should check it out. It's for a good cause, and you'll have fun. Should we get back to the show? Let's. There's many kinds of curry. And we've cut. We've talked about. <laughs> no, we've talked about Japanese curry. We've talked a little bit about Indian curries, uh, wet curries, dry curries, Thai curries. We could continue listing kinds of curry, but I feel like it's maybe more productive with our time to talk about what kind of curry is our favorite kind of curry. I think that's a good call. Yeah. Yeah. Because we could go on forever listing curries. We have not even talked about like Jamaican curry yet, like sure. Caribbean curries. Ooh, oh my God. Whole other thing um, yeah. brought to the Caribbean with Indian immigrants who landed there and then just spread and became its own cultural food with its mm -hmm. own flavor profiles. Uh, one really fun thing with the Caribbean curries. So... Um, as we've talked about before, chili peppers come from these continents we live on, from South and North America. And so pre-Columbian exchange, there weren't chili peppers in um, Europe and Asia. Mm -hmm. And so the curries in 
South Asia and Southeast Asia were flavored with peppercorns and other spices like that. Uh, So the Caribbean population bringing curry there introduced chili peppers to these and brought this beautiful whole new generation of curries with really hot spice in them. And that is just real fun. And now, I mean, obviously there are like Thai chili peppers and stuff now that, Mm -hmm. that have become ubiquitous with Thai curries and cuisine. Uh, But that is one little element of just cultural exchange, uh, improving food and expanding food. Yeah. I shouldn't say improving, expanding food. Yeah. That's really fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's it. I I think there's something cool about like, as a sidebar, the thing with chili peppers is that a lot of how they are able to like grow and, and change and evolve is that animals don't fully digest the seeds when they eat them. Uh, And so, you know, if a bird eats a pepper, the seed will eventually come out of that bird's stool, right? And so that poop will at some point, you know, biodegrade into the ground, the seed will be planted, and then, you know, with rain and stuff, it will grow into a plant. And because chili peppers kind of thrive in harsh conditions. This means that when the birds fly places to, say, hibernate, or not hibernate, but migrate, rather, for the winter and go somewhere hot, those seeds can really thrive in that situation, even if they're not planted in, like, really ideal situations, right? And so I think there's something cool about, like, the seeds, the, the, the peppers themselves being brought over to the east from the new world, air quotes, and then being grown there and then finding their own way to develop and creating this like spice culture that is infused inherently with the terroir of the place mm-hmm. and like can grow freaking yeah. anywhere, right? And speaking as someone who has grown many vegetables on my balcony, which is extremely sunny and hot, which is great, but also has its challenges in terms mm-hmm. of like moisture. Sure. Chili peppers are amazing. Yeah. Like the chili peppers always are so abundant. They grow so many peppers. Yeah. Uh, peppers are just a great little plant that do very, very well um, in harsh conditions, as long as they have enough sun. Sure. Peppers yeah. do not like growing without sun. Most of us don't. Except for um, endives. You can grow endives. Why they're so pale is because they're grown buried in sand. Oh, neat. Same with white asparagus. They're just grown in the dark. Cool. And forced rhubarb. We <laughs> talked about rhubarb, didn't we? We had an episode on rhubarb and didn't talk about forced rhubarb. I don't know if we ever Oh, we got to. Okay, this is episode is really turning into me saying we got to talk about this thing. Yeah, we did rhubarb lemonade in an episode, but we've never actually talked about rhubarb. <laughs> We're going to put rhubarb in the turtle's butt because that's got to happen eventually. Yeah. All right, so now that we've uh, established a whole lot of information mm-hmm. um, about curry, yeah, what's your favorite curry to eat? Yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, like, my... I guess most prominent experience of curry growing up was uh, going to an Indian restaurant here in NDG called Star of India that uh, doesn't do like the spiciest curries, uh, but does really beautiful, flavorful stuff. And like my kind of go to there, like I always get the butter chicken because their butter chicken is delicious and sweet and fragrant and lovely. But they also do really nice lamb curry dishes that are yes. a little spicier, but still not overwhelming most of yeah. the time. And uh, I think that for me was the place where I first really enjoyed lamb outside of like a grilled context, right? Mm-hmm. But it also, I think for me, was the place that kind of gave me a taste for curries. Mm-hmm. Um, there used to also be a spot a few blocks down from there called Dad's Bagels that um, went out of business maybe 10 years ago now. Uh 
but at the time it was a bagel place that made fine bagels, whatever. But it was owned by an Indian family who made incredible food mm-hmm. that they sold as well as the bagels. Mm-hmm. Like they had their like fridge stocked with like sauces and and pre-made meals and stuff. Uh, and they also made really good samosas. Yeah. And I think for me, I think the samosa is maybe my favorite like non slopped over rice use of curry because it it tends to be like a dry curry inside of the like dough pocket right and I don't know I just I have memories of being a teenager and like going for walks at like midnight and walking over to dad's bagels and getting some like really fucking good samosas Mm -hmm. and eating those with my buddies in the middle of the fucking night and then going home and like having a bit of heartburn the next morning because like (laughs) that's not like really the best thing to eat at midnight but them being so good that it didn't matter you know and like yeah you can't you can't beat those kind of nostalgic little snacky things absolutely yeah yeah and i think i just love that curry has space for both like a hearty meal and for a little snack mm-hmm. you know like I like the versatility of that absolutely uh, actually speaking of putting curry in things another curry culture is in South Africa mm. where there was a very significant um, Indian population uh, Gandhi actually Mahatma Gandhi lived mm. and worked in South Africa for a while but there is a culture food culture there developed called bunny chow do you know about bunny chow I don't Bunny chow is curry um, that's placed inside a hollowed out, usually quarter loaf of white bread. So instead of like scooping it with naan, you have it inside hollowed out bread and you eat it like with the inside of the bread. Okay. And that's like just something that developed there. Uh, bunny chow. Bunny huh? chow. Yeah. Interesting. There's a lot of theories on how the bunny part <laughs> came about. Um, sure, sure. It seems like it may have been... Uh, derived from the name of the guy who first started making it and selling it. Okay, um, okay. But yeah, so that's like another little like fun, versatile curry thing that happened culturally. Yeah, I like that. I I like it because like just etymo- etymologically, like I like the idea of like, it could also just be like, yeah, you know, you, you, you hollow out a bun, throw some stuff in there. <laughs> It's sort of like the chowder bread bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the thing. Like, I, I love, I love a bread bowl. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think it's, it's fun to see like a, a totally different version of that. Yeah, that like kind of arose organically, right? Yeah, exactly. That's cool. I like that a lot. Um, and I mean, if we're gonna talk about putting curry in things, like shout out to doubles. Oof. Yeah. Which I think Chris talked about on this show before, but yeah. but yeah. so good doubles are delicious doubles are uh like a jamaican wrapped uh it's like generally west indian it's not just jamaican not just jamaican Um, yeah but yeah it's like a a fried um flatbread dough Mm -hmm. that you stuff with curry and it's just like so incredibly good yeah um if you want to try this and you're in montreal got to recommend tropical paradise they do doubles so well they do everything so well they really do and they're really well priced uh, so yes, doubles also. Everybody loves to put curry in things. Um, me, I like to put curry in naan. I like to eat my my curry with naan. I like mm-hmm. to pinch it up and eat it. Um, yeah, I love a little pinch. Yeah, it's so good. I first started getting into Indian food when we moved to Boston when mm. I was about nine. Now we had made, we would make dal sometimes because my parents were hippies and that's one of those dishes that like hippies started making, you know? Yeah, hippies love dal. Yeah, and I loved it, but... Uh, I hadn't really like gone to an Indian restaurant and tried the different 
very, very, like all these different kinds sure, of yeah. food that there are from all over the country. And I love Indian food. I love trying different regions and like learning new things and it's all so good. So we moved to Boston and we lived in Cambridge. There's a restaurant called Punjabi Daba in Inman Square. Mm. If you're in the Boston area, go there. Highly recommend. Also, their mango lassies are so good. They have goat curry, which yeah. like... You can't always find goat at restaurants, but my dad got really excited about that, actually, that nice. you could get goat there. So we would go there. That was like one of the few places we ever got takeout. We didn't sure. often get takeout, but occasionally we would get takeout from Punjabi Daba, and it was just so good. So, so, so good. Um, and then I read... So if any of you know me from the Yeah podcast, uh, we covered a book called Born Confused by Tunisia Desai Hidier, which is one of my absolutely favorite books ever and it is uh, about an Indian girl Indian American girl and the description of the food in it hmm. is absolutely incredible there is a, a scene which I maintain is the maybe the best written first time getting high scene ever <laughs> like the scene where this girl first smokes pot and gets stoned and she goes home and she's trying to conceal that she is stoned while talking with her parents who are very excited because she was out with this boy that they think is a very nice boy, right? Uh, yep. So they're all excited and they want to hear about what happened and she's stoned off her ass and has never been stoned again and she's eating samosas with mango chutney and it's just like the way she describes eating when you're stoned <laughs> and eating that food uh, is so good. And there's a few scenes about that with like sure. eating her mom's cooking. That's just like so evocative. And I was just like, wow, I want to eat all of this. Mm -hmm. um, and then luckily my, my best friend is Indian. So I was able to eat her mother's absolutely delicious cooking. While stoned? No, I didn't get high in high school. I was a good kid. Yeah, yeah. I was a, I was a keener. I was such a goody two-shoes. <laughs> That's I Mar say, largely like, for lack of opportunity. Let's sure. be clear. I would have gotten stoned. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. I I gotta say, like as a sober person, yeah, I miss getting stoned and eating food oh, God, so yeah. much more than I miss drinking alcohol. Yeah. Good lord, drinking alcohol fucking sucks. Getting stoned and eating things, <laughs> ten out of ten experience. And if you are not someone who is prone to addiction, I would recommend it. <laughs> honestly, uh, if you're like me though, I would recommend not doing that. <laughs> So it's hard for me to say, like, a favorite sure. because I love so many curries. Sure. I really like, I'm not sure that I've ever met one I didn't like. Oh, the next step on my curry journey, actually, mm -hmm. was I would come to Montreal to visit my sister who lives here. And she lived at the time just, like, two blocks away from Bombay Mahal. Mm. And this was before Bombay Mahal was, like, the the icon it is in sure. Montreal yeah. now. Bombay yeah. Mahal now has like several locations. They do a lot of delivery. They're like very, very big and deservedly so. They're mm. really good. But at the time, it was like a family restaurant in this one location. Yeah. Where like the line would be out the door every night because it was so good. But right. <laughs> uh, and so when I went to visit them, first of all, they lived in a building where the entry always smelled like somebody cooking curry <laughs> always. And I would come in and just be like, oh, yeah, like onions in ghee. That's what this hallway smells. <laughs> Like, um, I suspect that might have actually been my first experience of curry. Like somebody's, somebody's apartment hallway. building. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so then we would go to uh, Bombay Mahal, and we would just let them bring us food. We would sure. be like, we'd be like, this is what we like. What should we have? <laughs> that hot take. If you find a restaurant where the staff are willing to feed you that way, yeah. 
do it. <laughs> Hold on to that place forever. Yeah. Because that's the best way to eat. Yeah. I really remember their their sag paneer being mm. like exceptionally good. I mm. really love sag paneer. I, I don't even know if that would count as a curry. Well, probably. It's like curried spinach, right? But the flavor is so good. And so I would go there a lot. And that was also where I developed an appreciation for really hot food. Because <laughs> um, theirs is like extremely spicy. Sure, yeah. And it was just, you know, at the time I couldn't eat gluten. So I ate a lot of Indian food and a lot yeah. of Mexican food and, you know, food cultures that don't rely heavily on wheat. Uh, but it was just a love affair. Like it's, sure. it's, I love it. I love it so much. I love curry so much. I do really, really like a good chana masala. Which one's that again? Uh, that's chickpea. Just like oh, chickpea curry. Sure, yeah. I do really, really, really love that. Yeah. And uh, shout out to korma as well. I really like korma. It's that that creamy but nut-based creamy mm, sauce. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's really delicious. Lamb korma. I mean, you already mentioned butter chicken and butter chicken is a classic and mm. I love it. Yeah. But like if I get like some butter chicken and some lamb korma and mm. like some sag paneer and then maybe like some samosa and I mean obviously this is a feast right like yeah. I'm like if you just give me these three dishes and this side <laughs> and this bread I'm such a happy baby bring me $80 <laughs> worth of food for and I will be so happy yeah yeah but the thing is like often when you're doing takeout that's the best bang for your buck anyway right is to get like whatever feast platter yeah. they're bringing you instead of buying individual dishes yeah. so like if you're ordering for more than one person just do that anyway and then when you're leaving I can't remember what it's called but they have that little dish of like um, fennel seeds mixed with sugar crystals <gasps> That you eat at the end of the meal. That sounds really good. Oh, I don't think I've ever had that. I don't know if they still have it because it would be a communal dish that you took a pinch out of and probably in a post-COVID world they no mm. longer do that. Sure, sure. But, uh, oh my God, I got to see if I can find some of that. So good. That sounds like it might be easy to make. Yeah, but I wouldn't know where to get the sugar. It was like a specific kind of. Mm. Yeah, I would just have to look it up and find it, but it's absolutely delicious. Sounds good. And you eat it at the end as like a, you know, breath freshener. Yeah, yeah. It's delicious. Well, aperitif. No, what is that called after? A digestif. Digestif. Exactly. It's a digestif, yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Well, speaking of digestifs, how about we take it to the digestif of our podcast today and uh, wrap things up? Before we end the show for real, we always have to reach into the butt of the turtle. That is the Koopa from the Mario franchise who lives on our studio table and holds within its shell a bunch of topics for future episodes of the show. Uh, Now, I will say, given that we are starting Munch Madness next week, our annual food bracket tournament, uh, in which curry is actually a contender this year, going up against Mm -hmm. salt in the first round. We'll see how that goes. Um... We won't be recording a like standard episode of the show for probably several months, uh, you know, at this point. But that doesn't mean we can't still pull something out of the butt of the turtle for whenever the next time is that we have an opportunity to record just the two of us outside of Much Madness. So absolutely, should we do it? Let's do it. Okay, hint. Yeah. It has also been called pieweed. Pieweed. Yep. Oh, is this rhubarb? It's rhubarb. We got rhubarb right away. Amazing. We put rhubarb into the turtle uh, just now. Just now when I got it. So that we would have a chance of talking about it in the future. And uh, that's just the way it goes, folks. Sometimes. That's the way the rhubarb. Crumble. Uh (laughs) I like that. Okay. So at some point in the not too distant future, but maybe only in like April or May, you will be getting an episode about rhubarb and it will be delicious and tangy and fun. So for now, we're getting into... Munch Munch Madness, Madness. and I hope you're ready, folks, because this is going to be 
a lot. It's going to be a crazy year. And if you want to know why, go listen to last week's episode where we break down the 60 and contenders for this year's tournament. And stay tuned for next week when we will have our very first round of judging and of competition. I'm, I'm really stoked. I'm recording part of that this afternoon with special guest Eric Silver, and I'm real stoked because Eric is lovely and because Munch Madness is one of my favorite times of year. So out of one sports tournament into another. Woo-hoo! The Super Bowl is done. Guy Fieri's Tournament of Champions begins this weekend, <gasps> and Munch Madness begins the next day. And we started Munch Madness first. I just want to make it very clear. <laughs> we were here first. We didn't start this as a response to TOC. No. We started it first, I mean, and we said Munch different. Madness first. Yeah. They're wildly different shows. Yes. I think we're good. I'm just saying. I'm 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 kind of grumpy that Guy Fieri stole Munch Madness immediately ah. when he's such a bigger franchise than he, us. He only used it as a hashtag. Did you know that fair. Guy Fieri is more famous than us? Hey, did you know that, guys? Did you know that? Did you he know that is. Guy that you're more famous than us? But we but you don't have to be. You could give us a hand. It's true. He could. He could. He could. That's all I'm saying. Look, as long as we keep posting about our show with the hashtag Munch Madness. He'll become using, aware of us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> him using that same hashtag for Tournament of Champions won't be bad for us. Ha! Ha! Hey, folks, thank you so much for listening to No Bad Food. Do you want to be part of the conversation? Hit us up on the socials at No Bad Food Pod and individually at Teffer Bear and at Tom Zalatni. And, and consider using the hashtag Munch Madness when you hey. talk about us. Because uh, that'll help. Oh yeah. If you like this episode and want to help us make the show even better and maybe even net yourself a spot as a guest judge on this Ooh. year's Munch Madness tournament, you can head to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod to donate. For as little as $1 a month, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Chantal H., Gab, Thomas, Erica, Andrew, Chantal T., David, Mallory, Sarah, Carol Ann, Rachel, Aslam, and Anne. Patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks, including the ability to request topics for episodes of the show. So if you want to shove something in a turtle's butt, oh. you know what to do. Head to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod and make it happen. We also, as always, have merch. Merch means things with our logos and designs on them. You can hit the merch link in the description of this episode or any other episode to get all sorts of great stuff from our friends over in the pod cavern. They're just sitting there cranking out merch for us. It's true, guys. Tongue is just sitting there cranking it. And if you don't buy merch, he'll be cranking it for no reason. And, of course, you can always support us for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice as we thoroughly covered in the mid-roll. Indeed, indeed. And you can also share this episode with a friend maybe a friend who claims to not like curry because they're uneducated and crass share this with your least educated most crass friend (laughs) our theme music is by zach bunny chow ingles and our cover art is by david wet curry dry curry viet curry thai curry flam nicely done thank you you can find links for both of them in the description of this episode. Last but certainly not least, the show was produced by me, Tom Zalatni, and you, Tefra Jemian, and edited by me, Tom Zalatni, as part of the Podcavern Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at www.podcavern.com. We'll see you next week for the start of Moonch Madness. Wow, wow, wow. You understand. It just takes a little time it takes a little time it takes a little time with me I hope you don't mind we'll take it slow this time you know I'm well worth the wait No Bad Food is a proud member of the Podcavern Network. For more great shows like this one, head to podcavern.com. 
Hey everybody, Left Trigger Right Trigger is coming up on its 7th anniversary, which means it's time once more for a 24-hour charity stream! Woo! Hooray! <laughs> for those who aren't familiar, each year around our anniversary, we stream for 24 hours, playing a different game from the year prior every hour. We also pick a charity to support during the stream, usually a smaller organization that we have a connection to. This year, we'll be raising money for NAMI Seattle, that's N-A-M-I Seattle, an organization working specifically to fill the gaps in their local mental health system through peer-led education, referrals, and support. We picked NAMI Seattle because A, we've all had struggles with and been impacted by mental illness in our lives, and B, Dave is from the Seattle area. Woo! Hey Dave, you're from the Seattle area, right? Well, yeah, I'm from there. Whoa! Yeah! Wow. So yeah, we hope you'll join us on Saturday, February 17th at 10 a.m. U.S. Eastern until Sunday, February 18th at 10 a.m. U.S. Eastern over at twitch.tv slash left trigger, right trigger. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Usually chat is very lively, which we appreciate a lot since it helps us, you know, stay awake. We need it. Please, please, please. So please talk We're to getting us. Older. Please. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there will be plenty of goofs. There will be snafus. And there's definitely going to be some stream exclusive merch. Get excited. Uh, and all proceeds from the stream and from Patreon in February will be going to NAMI Seattle. So once again, that's Saturday, February 17th at 10 a.m. Eastern until Sunday, February 18th at 10 a.m. Eastern over at twitch.tv slash left trigger right trigger. We hope to see you there. Yeah. Hello, folks. I'm Katie. I'm Vinny. And we host the Learn Real Good podcast. It's a comedy podcast about science. It's also a science podcast with comedy. Each episode, we interview a science grad student about their research. And we keep it casual, so you don't need to be a nerd to follow along. We also share some of the latest science newts. Uh, I think you mean the latest science news? Well, people need to hear more about amphibians. Well, I agree with that. So, look us up on your favorite podcast source and learn, learn real good. good. Presented by the Podcavern Newtwork. Uh, close enough. What Mega Man boss would make the most terrifying kaiju? I, for one, want to be the first to welcome our new kaiju overlords. How would Adam Sandler fit in the MCU? I injected myself with the Green Goblin serum. Oh! Debate This is a podcast that asks the questions about your favorite video games and comics that no one is asking. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you download podcasts. And on social media at Debate This Cast. None of it's that so is mind control. Though. It's so close. It's not it's, so close. It, it,